Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, this is Jacob Lopez. I spoke Thursday night at the Amplify Youth Conference, Pursuit. I talked about the power of pursuit. I used three different people who are on a pursuit. One is the enemy. The enemy is on a pursuit and will do whatever it takes to remove or distract you from fulfilling the call that God has on your life. I spoke about God's pursuit over our lives and how he'll sometimes create a storm that causes us to run back to him. And finally, our pursuit. It's in our pursuit towards God and who he is that we begin to see our victory and blessing in our own life. Hope you enjoy this message. All right, all right. Are you guys ready tonight? I'm excited to be here. I got my brother right here to the left. He's going to be laying down the atmosphere for me tonight. Um, but I'm excited to be here. Uh, we've been preparing for this conference. We've been, we've been praying. We've been planning. And it's finally here. And so before I even begin, because I'm ready to go, I want to honor and thank my beautiful wife right there, Linda. Yeah, she's amazing. I love her. She's the most supportive, most loving person I know. Uh, last night, I, I was going over my sermon. It was late at night, and it's about, a, I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And she's about to go to bed, and she comes up to me, hey, babe, are you okay? Do you want me to give you some coffee? You want me to cut you up some apples? You want me to give you a snack? That's just who she is. You, you, you guys need to find a wife that will support you no matter what. All right, here's a little story. About four years ago, I was getting ready to tell, tell my wife or, you know, my friend at the moment that I liked her. And I remember thinking to myself, man, she's older than me. She's way out of my league. And, and I was at a place, I was at a place called the Brother Zone. Now, if you guys don't know what that is, this is, you guys know the Friend Zone? It's another level above that. It's where she loves you, she wants to be with you all the time, but it's for the wrong reason. She looks at you like a brother. And so I was, at, I was in that zone, and I remember talking to a pastor, and I was like, man, I, I really like her. I, I think she's great, but, you know, she's way out of my league. She's, she, she's just awesome. I don't think she's ever going to be into me. And he says something that I will never forget. He says, well, you can take the risk right now, and, and if she doesn't like you, then, you know, you got nothing to lose. He says, but if you don't take the risk... You're going to regret it a couple years later, wishing that you had taken that risk. And so I'm, I'm all pumped up. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm going to tell her I like her. I'm going to tell her I have feelings for her. And so I think a couple days later, I, I go and I say, hey, I, I need to talk to you all. I think I was going to go hang out with your brothers. And uh, so I kind of use that as an excuse, like, let's hang out before we, we hang out with your brothers. And, and so she, she said, okay. And she had no idea. And I remember sitting there with her, and we were just talking, and I just threw it on her. I told her I had feelings for her. I think I told you that I was going to marry you. And I told her all these things, and I poured out my heart to her. I'm like, I'm open. I'm wide open right now. And you know what she does? After me pouring out my heart to her, guess what she does? She starts laughing at me. And I'm sitting there thinking like, dang, like, I just poured out my heart to you. You're going to laugh at me? And then she starts to be like, oh, it's, you know, thank you so much. It's, you're so cute, you know. You know what she said? She said, it's just a crush. And I'm thinking like, oh, man, I poured out my heart. It's not a crush. I know how I feel. 
And she says, don't worry, you'll, you'll, you'll get over in, in about a week. And I'm like, dang. But you know what I did? I said, okay, if you think it's a crush, by next week, if I feel the same way, if, it, if I prove to you that it's not a crush, then you got to go out with me. We've been married for almost two years now. We're in ministry together. Man, we couldn't be happier. But let me tell you this. The only reason why Linda even considered me as an option, why she even was interested in me, is because I did one thing. I pursued her. I constantly told her every day that I was going to marry her. And that's a fact. I knew from the day I met her that I was going to marry her, and I didn't let a day go by that I didn't pursue her. Have you guys ever pursued anything? Whether it was a job, a career, uh, schooling, or a relationship? You see, the fact is, whether we all pursue the same things or we all pursue different things, everyone is pursuing something all the time. You see, it doesn't have to be the same thing. It can be totally different, but everyone is pursuing something. Pursue is the action of following or chasing after someone or something. Tonight I want to talk about three different perspectives of the pursuit. And I kind of want to let my main point be my first point, and that's the enemy's pursuit. I want to talk about right now the enemy's pursuit over your life. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Take out your Bibles. Take out your phones. And I'm going to read this story. You guys should all know it's about Samson and Delilah. Probably one of the most known scriptures in, in the church today. And so I'm going to read quite a bit. So follow, follow along with me. If you see a neighbor that's not really paying attention, give him a little nudge. Or point him out to me. We'll call him out. And so we're going to read this together, so follow along with me. Judges chapter 16, and I'm going to start with verse 4. It says this. It says, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that, that have not been yet dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied up Samson with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not yet discovered. So I'm going to jump down to verse 15. But Delilah ends up doing this two more times. And Samson ends up telling her that these random things that, 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 that would make him weak. And so this is kind of where we leave off. At, uh, verse 15, it says, Then Delilah pouted, How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Oh, man. You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. 
Anybody know anybody who just nags and nags all day? Anyone know that? Are they sitting next to you? Yeah, oh, well. So verse 17, we're going to go, and, and I'm going to finish with this. It says, finally, Samson shared a secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Verse 18, it says, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and she called in a man to shave off seven locks of his hair. In this way, in this way she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I want to pray, and I want you guys to pray with me. Because this is about the Lord. This isn't about me. This is about you encounter, encountering the Lord and catching the revelation that he wants to give you. So we're going to pray. So, Lord, tonight, God, we ask for your presence to be in this room. Father, we pray, Lord, that every word that I speak, God, that they would hear your voice and not my voice. Father, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would get all the honor, you would get all the glory, and we thank you for all that you're doing already. And for all that you're going to do throughout this conference, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have this man, Samson. And if you don't know, he's this super strong guy. He has supernatural strength. And the Philistines hate him because every time they would send an army to him, he would just kill them all. And so they get upset and they tell Delilah, go, go entice him. Go, 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 you know, go be around him and tell us what makes him so strong. You saw, I, I, we read this, Delilah goes up to him, Samson ends up falling in love with her. And so Delilah does it three times, asking him what, what his strength was, or what was the source of his strength. And so finally, Samson, the first time he said it was seven new bowstrings. The second time, he says it's a new rope. The third time, he says, if you tie my hair up seven times in, in a braid, and you put some cloth on it, then, then I'm going I'm, I'm to be weak as anyone else. You see, each time Samson would tell her something, he got closer to the truth. He was getting closer and closer to the truth. You see, Samson started to entertain himself. He started to think it was a game with Delilah. But Delilah wasn't taking that. Delilah knew that she was going to get the truth out of him. Delilah knew that she was going to get what she wanted because what? She was on a pursuit. She knew she can get the truth out of him the moment he started to give her lies. The moment he started to compromise just a little bit. You see, I, I, I want to tell you tonight, all you need to do is give in a little. All you have to do is compromise your walk with God just a little. You say, oh, I can hang out with this, I can hang out with my old friends. You know, they're not going to influence me anymore. I can hang out with, with this girl alone. We're not going to do anything. I, I can hang out. I, I can kiss my boyfriend. I can kiss my girlfriend. You know, we're both really strong. We can handle it. You see, the moment you compromise, the moment you begin to think you can do it all on your own, is the moment you begin to lose sight of God. 
the very moment Samson started to take it into his own account, the very moment Samson started to think that he can do it on his own was the very moment he became vulnerable to Delilah. You see, the very moment that he started to think that was the moment that he became vulnerable to the enemy. You see, just like Delilah was on a pursuit to bring Samson down, the enemy is on a pursuit to bring you down. You see, the very purpose of the enemy is found in John 10.10. It says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy your life. You see, the enemy will do whatever it takes to bring you down. The enemy is going to do whatever it takes to make you sin, to make you fall into lust, to make you fall in, into an addiction. You see, to make you think that you can do it all on your own. You see, I want to warn you. If you're not on guard, if you don't remind yourself daily of what the enemy's purpose is, you'll become blind when he's sleeping right next to you. The enemy is pursuing someone who will compromise just a little. He's looking for someone who is so consumed with the world, who's so consumed with themselves, who's so consumed with social media, so consumed with their phones, that they no longer have time for God. You see, the enemy is constantly pursuing us, and believe me, he won't stop until he steals, until he kills and he destroys your life. You see, although the enemy's on a pursuit to bring you down, I want to encourage you tonight. There is a higher power that's on a pursuit for you even more. I want you guys to look with me at Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarsus. He bought a, he bought a ticket and went on aboard, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarsus. So we have Jonah, another man of God. He's a prophet of God and he's he gets a word from the Lord. You need to go to the city of Nineveh and you need to go to preach, uh, preach against their sin. And in that moment, Jonah decides to leave. He decides to disobey the Lord and he decides to run away and take a trip to Tarsus. You see, it just so happened that when Jonah decided to run away from the Lord, that there was a boat going in the opposite direction. You see, there's a little side note. The enemy will make it as convenient as possible to run away from the call of God. The enemy will make it as convenient as possible to sin. So we have Jonah. He gets a call from God, and he ends up running away, and, and, and he ends up going on this boat. And because of Jonah's disobedience, God causes a great storm to happen on the boat. In verse 4 through 5, it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for the lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And we all know the story to where Jonah finally tells them why the storm is happening. He tells them that, it, you know, it's my fault. I'm running away from God. 
And so what they do, and, and it's the only thing that they can do, they decide to throw Jonah off the boat. And the reason why they did that is because if they didn't, they all would have died. You see, the moment you disobey God, you start to cause harm to others in your life. You see, when you disobey the Lord, you not only let yourself down, you not only let God down, but you let your family down. You let your friends down. There are people in this room that you may not know who are relying on you to obey the call of God. There are people in this room who are begging you to be obedient. You see, your decision to be obedient can help them, but your decision to be disobedient can cause harm to others. So we have Jonah, disobeys God, runs away, the storm happens, they throw him overboard, and we all know he gets swallowed up by a big fish or a whale. Anyone wants to debate me if you want. It's in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. This is, this is kind of him praying in, in the belly of the fish. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jump down to verse 9. It says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praises. I now will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit out Jonah onto the beach. You see, God created the storm to get Jonah back to him. Despite Jonah disobeying, despite Jonah completely going the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go, God loved him enough to create a storm in his life to bring Jonah back to him. You see, I believe sometime God, sometimes God will cause a storm in your life so that he can bring you back to him. Sometimes God will cause a storm in your life. Sometimes he'll create a situation in your life that leaves you confused, that leaves you like you don't know where to go, but he leaves you with the only option of coming back to him. You know, I believe too many of us are living through storm after storm, wondering where to go, wondering what, what's the answer to go to. But you don't realize that it's the very storm that God wants you to bring him back to him. It's God creating the storm to make you run back to him. It's the storm that shows us how much he loves us. It's the storm that shows us that he's on a pursuit for you and I. You see, in order for God to pursue us, he first needs to cause a storm in our lives. We first need to understand that we need him. We first need to understand that it's our job to pursue him after he pursues us. You see, the enemy is on a pursuit to bring you down. God is on a pursuit to love you and bring him back to him. Let me ask you something. What are you pursuing tonight? What are you pursuing in your life? You see, I want to read this last story, and I hope you guys catch it. I hope you guys understand what the Lord wants to reveal tonight. It's in 2 Kings chapter 13. And here we have Elisha, who's a prophet of God, and he's talking to the king of Israel, Jehoash. 
In verse 15, it says, Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked up, picked up them up and, and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. So we have Elisha, he's a prophet of God. And he's telling the king of Israel... And he's prophesying over him, basically. And he says, go get an arrow, shoot it out of the window. And he's prophesying, saying, yeah, that's the Lord's arrow. You're going to get, you're going to conquer uh, the, the Arameans at Aphek. And then he goes on to strike the ground. And he only strikes it three times. Elisha becomes angry with him and says, you should have struck it five or six times. You see, in that moment, the king of Israel stops short of conquering all of Aram. In that moment, he stopped short of seeing his complete victory. You see, I believe that's us sometimes. We tell God, I want a move of you. God, I want you to move in my life. God, I want more of your presence. I want you to bless me. I want you to heal me. But after praying for five minutes, you get a notification and you're distracted. God, I want you to heal my family. God, I want to know more about you. I want you to heal my life. I want you to bless my life. But you can't even come to church on Sunday because you're too tired to get up. Too many of us are giving up too soon that causes us to miss the blessing that God wants to give us. You see, King Jehoash only struck the ground three times and Elisha was so upset at him. I believe he was so upset because he knew how close he was. He knew how close he was to the full and complete victory that he was supposed to get. You see, I believe God is there looking at us. And he's saying, all you need to do is pray a little harder. All you need to do is press in a little more. All you need to do is pursue me a little longer. You see, your victory is just around the corner. Your victory is in those next, next, next hits on the ground. Your victory is in the pursuit. You see, we find our victory when we continue to strike the ground when we feel like there's no more we can give. You find victory when you're about to give up, but you keep going. Jesus wants to give you the victory. He wants to give you the blessing of God. But it's our job to pursue it. If you're not pursuing it, let me tell you, you're not going to see your victory. If you're not pursuing it, you will not see the blessing from God. You see, don't stop short of your blessing. Don't stop short and strike the ground only three times. Because God wants to give you that victory. I believe it's time for our generation to raise up. I believe it's time for our youth, our young adults, 
to become known that they're going to pursue the Lord despite anything that may happen. I believe it's time to our generation to pursue the Lord and not stop until they see something happen. That we're going to strike the ground and not stop until we see a complete victory in our lives. You see, it's in the pursuit that we see things change. It's in the pursuit that we see revival happen. It's in the pursuit that we see our families change. It's in the pursuit that we see our churches change. And it's in the pursuit that we see our very own lives change. In Genesis chapter 32, David kind of shared it, and I'm glad he did. It's our main scripture for this conference. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very scripture that we got this whole conference and based it off of. It's in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 and 28. It says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. The moment you begin to pursue the Lord, he not only gives you the victory, but he changes who you are. The moment you begin to pursue the Lord, he not only gives you victory, but he changes your name. You see, you no longer have to be, you no longer have to be a slave to a false identity you no longer have to be called by a name that wasn't meant for you to have. You see, when you pursue the Lord, you're able to be called the name that was given to you by your heavenly Father. There's a man in this room that I want to come, that I want to come share. And I want him to share on the pursuit that he had for God and what happened after the pursuit. If we can have Angel come up, I want him to share a little bit. And just share what God has done from the pursuit that you did. You see, something happens when you pursue the Lord. It not only, it not only changed his life, but it changed the people around him. Your obedience to God, your pursuit to God will cause others to change around you. You see, if Jacob would have stopped if he would have let go of God when he told him, then he would have not been changed. If Angel would have stopped pursuing the, God, pursuing the Lord, then he would have not been changed. If he would have been like Jehoash and stopped short of his victory, if he would have stopped short of his life being changed, then he would have never seen it. You see, the difference between Jehoash and Jacob is the consistency in their pursuit. You see, Jacob was consistent in his pursuit for the Lord. He was consistent in his pursuit to seek that blessing. Tonight, tonight, who are you going to pursue like? Tonight, who are you going to be like? Are you going to be like Jehoash? You give up when it gets too difficult. 
You give up when you're confused and you don't know what to do. You, you give up and you miss the blessing that God has for you. Or are you going to pursue like Jacob? Who despite wrestling with God, despite getting his whole hip out of socket, feeling exhausted, feeling like he couldn't go any longer, he pursued him even more. I want to ask you, are you going to pursue the Lord when things don't look good? Are you going to pursue the Lord when life gets hard, when the storms come your way? You see, God is waiting for us to pursue him like Jacob did. God is waiting for us to pursue him with the drive, with the determination, with the mindset that they're going to pursue him until they see the move of God. So I ask you again, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing in your life? Are you going to let the enemy make you compromise? Are you going to let the enemy think that you can do it all on your own? Or are you going to pursue God until they see a victory? Are you going to pursue God until they see him work in your family? You see, it's in the pursuit that causes God to move in your life. It's in the pursuit that he begins to change everything. Tonight, I believe God is waiting for us. And I believe he's asking us to pursue the Lord. You see, we had this conference, we had this conference pursuit because I believe this time in our generation, in the world today, we need to be a generation that pursues the Lord. We need to be a generation that doesn't stop too easily, that doesn't give up short of their blessing. So tonight, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about the things that you've been pursuing, whether it's good or whether it's bad. I want you to begin to think about what you've been doing, what you've been thinking about. And then I want you to think about the Lord's pursuit. I want you to know that God's been pursuing you since the day you've been born. God's been pursuing you. God's been waiting for you to understand that the things in life happen for a reason. The things that happen in your life are only to bring you back to him. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.